All right, everybody. This is another episode of Junior Resource Investing, episode 15. Uh, I'm excited today to have uh, John Miniotis of Abra Silver on. This is, a sh this is a play that I like quite a bit, and I'm excited to have him on the show. Just as always, a disclaimer here, though, that this is not financial advice. We are not your financial advisors. You have to make your own decisions, and this is for entertainment purposes only, right? So I have a full disclaimer in the YouTube notes below, so please check those out. Otherwise, John is the president and CEO of Abra Silver. Uh, Abra is a primarily silver explorer and developer whose core project is their ultra-high-grade Diablos project in the Salta province of Argentina. I hope I got that one pronounced correctly there, John. Uh, they trade under the ticker ABRA, A-B-R-A dot V on the venture and A-B-B-R-F on the OTC in the U.S. John, it's nice to meet you. We've had a couple of email exchanges, but this is our first time meeting face-to-face. -face. How, how is your morning so far? Oh, going, going wonderfully. Uh, thank, thanks very much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, and we, we had some technical difficulties prior to recording, and John's already demonstrated himself to be a patient man, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. So anyway, John, the way I usually start this is I just ask you to, you know, give us a 30-second or a one-minute elevator pitch on Abra. Mm -hmm. You know, why is your story compelling, and why should investors be compelled or interested in your story? Yeah, perfect, perfect. Uh, so, so Abra Silver is an advanced stage silver and gold exploration company. Uh, we, we have a very exciting story. Uh, we own 100% of a large project, uh, as you mentioned, called Diablilos. It has a, a measured and indicated resource base now uh, of 110 million ounces of silver and 1.3 million ounces of gold in the ground. Um, but I guess, yeah, in terms of why investors should care, look, this is a project that's very unique. Uh, and I think over the past few years now, we've proven it has tremendous exploration potential. Uh, in fact, as, as part of our, our drill programs over the last couple of years now, I mean, we've been consistently hitting some of the highest grades of silver, of any primary silver asset in the world. Uh, and now, importantly, on top of that, we have a brand new discovery. Uh, that's a, the Jack target that I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, which is looking incredibly promising. Uh, based based on all the results we've received to date, so so I guess yeah for for investors look I think we we check a number of boxes I mean we we have a project here that's that's large scale has very good grades uh, importantly lots of exploration upside uh, and then combine that with a, a very compelling valuation and and I think that's that's what we offer here. Mm -hmm. And you are, I think that in, in your slide deck it's six of the eight highest Sailorworks primary silver deposit. Uh, grades in the last year or so, and silly season stuff, right? Just ridiculous grades. So I would encourage people to check out your slide deck. But why don't we, before we before we transition into talking about Abra and Jack and, and the Diablos project, could you just discuss just your own personal history? I mean, where were you prior to Abra, and, and how did you end up at Abra? Sure, sure. Yeah, so so I have a, a finance background. I graduated from from the University of Toronto, um, but I guess my my entire career has been focused in in the mining sector. Uh, really focus on corporate development and mergers and acquisitions. And so throughout my career, I've, I've worked for, for a number of large companies uh, like Barrick Gold, Lundin Mining, um, and then also worked a, a few years doing equity research for, for two investment banks in, in Toronto uh, where I covered mining equities. Um, but yeah, essentially how I ended up at Abra, uh, I was running a, a small junior called Athon Minerals, our mandate was to, to find a new asset and, and grow the company. 
Um, and so really to, together with my team there, we spent about a year and a half looking for acquisition opportunities all across Latin America. Um, we came across this company uh, back then. Uh, it was called Aberplata, uh, which had a, a nice asset. Uh, but the, the former management team uh, had uh, completely run out of cash. So the project was was essentially sitting idle. Uh, and the, the company had about a $10 million market cap at that time. Um, and so anyways, look, we, we signed a six-month exclusivity agreement with them. We really evaluated the project in a lot of detail. Uh, our geologists rebuilt the, the geological model and identified a number of high-grade areas that were un underexplored, I guess. Um, and so anyways, I mean, back in, in January, 2020, we finalized the merger. We merged the two companies together. Uh, myself and my team at Athon took over running the company. Uh, and then we, we drilled these targets that we had identified and right from the onset, I mean, we got back some, some excellent high grade results. Um, and I guess, you know, over the last couple of years now, I mean, that, that's really enabled us to, to grow the company to where it is today. Uh, now we have over a $200 million market cap. Uh, and the assets come come a long way in mm -hmm. in a relatively short uh, period of time. Mm -hmm. Could you, off the top of your head, do you know the total M and A that you've been involved with, or this as a number to kind of put up on the board for people? Sure. Uh, me personally, in my career, it's been over two billion dollars uh, of of M and A deals. I've been both on like the acquisition side, where I'm helping companies grow, especially Lundy Mining. Did a number of transactions there. Uh, while I was in corporate development, really helped that company grow. And then I've been on the, the sales side as well. So I was uh, at another company called Rico Metals uh, as uh, the VP corporate development. We grew that company and then sold that for, for over $300 million. Uh, so so I've been on both sides of, of deals and, you know, uh, again, over well over $2 billion of deals uh, over the past uh, about 17 years now, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I always appreciate that because, I mean, obviously it comes from the geology, but, you know, mining projects aren't just science projects, right? They have to eventually be monetized. So it's nice to know that, yeah, leadership has that experience in terms of monetizing the ground, right? But on the flip side of that coin, though, could you just talk us through maybe your geologists or your, or your on-the-ground team and the experience they have? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I think that that's a key here. I mean, we have a very, very strong exploration team. Um, and I think, yeah, again, if you, if you look at the, the track record here over the last, uh, few years, um, I think it, you know, really speaks, speaks for itself. I mean, we've, we've certainly had some of the best results of any, any silver company, uh, as you mentioned over, over the past few years and all of that's, uh, shown, shown in our slide deck. Um, but yeah, no, our, our exploration teams led by, by our chief geologist, David O'Connor. Uh, he's he's really an experienced veteran. I mean, he's well over 40 years of, of uh, experience uh, all, all across the world. Um, and yeah, he's, he's been involved in, in a number of large discoveries uh, throughout his career, for sure. And he's you know, le leading the way here for, for us in, in Salta now. Excellent. So transitioning again here now, just talking about, you know, share structure and the float. Uh, I think you have, I mean, off the top of my head, Fully diluted, is it 620 million shares, roughly? Uh, I think it's just just under that. Yeah, just That's, under 600 million. Yeah. Which, obviously, I mean, you know, the name of the game when you're a pre-revenue explorer is dilution, right? But, I mean, from a North American perspective, you know, if you go to London or you go to Australia, these numbers are more normal, right? But in North America, that's a bit higher. But could you just, I mean, obviously, you have an extremely exciting resource. 
But could you just talk us through, I mean, how did that come to be? I mean, is that just a matter of the length of time it's taken to develop this project? And then maybe are you planning on doing a reverse split at some point to try to clean up the share structure? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So when we acquired the company again, or we merged the two companies together, it was an all-share deal. So Abra essentially issued shares to, to the Athon shareholders. Uh, and so right out of the gate, I mean, we had a large number of shares. Um, and then I'd say it was about a $10 million market cap at that time. So the, the first equity raise we did was at $0.05 cents and $0.06 cents and $0.11. Cents. And when you're doing equity raises down at those levels, Unfortunately, you have to issue quite quite a large number of shares. Uh, and so for us, it's really just a legacy thing. Look, I mean, I think uh, since, you know, we took over running the company, uh, we have not done a financing since the summer of 2020. So it's well over two years now. And so we've been very prudent here when it comes to issuing new shares, looking to, to minimize dilution for, for our existing shareholders. Um, as you mentioned, at the right time, I'm, you know, very uh, happy to, to roll back the number of shares, do a, do a reverse split, sort of clean up the, the share structure, uh, but waiting for, for the right market conditions uh, for that. But, yeah, that's something down the road. I mean, I, I think we're, we'd be very happy to, to address, roll back the number of shares and kind of reset the, the share structure a bit. Um, but I think, look, if, if you look at uh, over the last several years, uh, we've minimized dilution uh, sort of every step along the way. Uh, and we, we raised $25 million in the summer of 2020, and that's carried us all the way till now. And, and we still have $13 million in the bank as of today. So we've been running the, the company very prudently. Um, and, you know, we'll, you know, uh, address the share structure uh, down the road sometime. Mm -hmm. Uh, on that note, I mean, you do have you have outstanding options and warrants. The good news is for the company is I believe those warrants continue to be exercised kind of regularly, do they not? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, two batches of warrants, uh, which expire next year in April and May, I believe. And yeah, those those trickle in. I mean, those are both well in the money. Um, and yeah, uh, continue to trickle in. But yeah, we'll, we'll expire by, by May of next year. And I guess that's the thing, you know, looking at this from the perspective of someone new to the story, you know, that I watch, you know, you've you've kind of been range bound in this, you know, 39 to 48 cent range for a few months now. And I mean, probably part of that can be, I mean, well, first of all, the market, the bottom has fallen out of the market for juniors and you've managed to tread water. But on the flip side of that, I mean, this overhang has probably kept a lid on the price somewhat. But for me, all these, you know, like amazing. I mean, and I'm not trying to blow smoke here, but ridiculous kind of assays that come in and it only goes up 10% and then just it's a liquidity event. But for me, that's just an accumulation opportunity, right? So, I mean, I'm not trying to just spin things to make it sound better, but I mean, your, your company is developing a very strong project. And if it stays at these levels, I'll be happy to just keep chipping away. Right. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. I mean, I, I echo those, those statements there. I think, look, it's no secret. The market sentiment for all junior explorers has been has been pretty brutal. I'd say over the, more than a year now, mm -hmm. uh, approaching two years. I mean, hopefully that seems to be uh, turning here uh, over the last uh, week or so. Uh, so, so hopefully, clearly that that improves. But yeah, over that time period, we've come out with some exceptional drill intercepts, and yeah, unfortunately, it has been a you know sell the news type. <laughs> Uh, scenario where we come out with these great results and, and you know, investors sell on that and kind of keeps a lid. Um, but look, we've, you know, I've certainly been in this industry long enough that, to know that once the, the sentiment changes uh, and in, you know, better market conditions, we're announcing regularly 
exceptional draw results here on a regular basis. And we have this new discovery that I really like to talk about here. Um, you know, I think in, in a better market environment, then everyone's chasing the share price. And that's mm -hmm. where you can see incredible returns. And so for, for us, I mean, we're not discouraged in any way. We're going to keep doing what we're doing, uh, continue to add value in the ground. And no, no question in my mind, the, the market will eventually uh, catch up here uh, mm -hmm. to, to the underlying value of the project. Yeah, and once that bull market returns, that's exactly the kind of project you have where it's high grade but remains perspective, right? Those are the ones that catch that bid right away. Do you mind running through just ownership? I mean, I know you have Eric Sprott in there and some other institutions. Can you run through maybe what yeah, what, what are the percentages or breakdowns of ownership? Yeah, yeah. So Eric Sprott owns, uh, he's still our largest shareholder, has been very supportive. He invested in the company about two years ago, uh, back in, in our last financings in, in 2020. So he maintains about a 13% stake, I believe. Um, and then we have several other uh, institutional investors, about a dozen or so. Collectively, they own about 25 to 30% of the company. And so we've been really marketing, uh, geared more towards institutional investors and, and looking to, to increase that percentage. Uh, we still have an excellent, excellent retail following. Uh, so very supportive retail shareholders, which I believe still account for maybe 40, 50% of, uh, of, of uh, all the remaining shares here. And then just one question mark I have, you know, you always look when I'm, when I'm assessing companies, there's always a, you know, a checklist that I have, one of which is management, uh, ownership under management. And I think you're checking in at around 3%. Do you mind just explaining why that's maybe a little lower than you see in other companies? Yeah. Uh, so, so it's really a very, very lean management team. And so that, that number that you see 3%, I mean, it's only spread across me, myself or chief geologist, and then uh, really two members of the board that, that own, you know, close, close to maybe 1% of, of the company each. Uh, so it's, it's a very lean team. Look, if we had 25 people, uh, it'd be a much, much long, uh, much larger number. Um, but yeah, look, we have a, a lean team. I think we're, we're all fully invested into this company, into this project. I think it's important to look at not just the percentage of shares, but the the amount of skin in the game, which is like a, a percentage of my net worth. Like I have a, a huge percentage of my net worth tied up in both the shares of this company and, and obviously options, uh, which I'll only make money uh, as the share price goes up. So, you know, a, a very high percentage of, you know, net worth here is tied up for, for just key members of, of the lean management team and, and also some of the directors as well. Mm -hmm. And what's your average cost basis? Uh, so I've uh, participated in, in the placements that we've done. Uh, so I think the first placement maybe was six cents, 11 and a half cents, and then 27 cents. So average cost basis would be, uh, you know, around there between six to, to 27 cents. On the options, I mean, we grant options uh, pretty much uh, each year at the beginning of the year. So that varies greatly. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, options I have like 37 and a half cents uh, and then, you know, whatever the, the share price has been over the last several years here. Perfect. So maybe we'll start swinging around to start talking about your actual projects here. But first of all, maybe let's just discuss Argentina a bit, because I think for people that, you know, are not, you know, people that haven't invested in Argentina before are a little gun shy, you know, kind of rolling in the danger zone a little bit with South American jurisdictions. But I find Argentina is kind of sometimes overplayed in terms of jurisdictional risk. Uh, I mean, my understanding is that individual provinces effectively have their own ministry rights or mineral rights, right? Uh, and so you have to look on the provincial level for policy. And when you do that, SALTA, 
the province that Diablitos is in has a long tradition of being very mining friendly. Billions of dollars are surrounding your uh, projects are surrounding you, right? right? Could you just maybe discuss with you know with that understood? Could you just discuss maybe on the one hand advantages, but then on the other also hand the challenges of working where you are in Argentina? Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I mean you're you're a hundred percent right there again. I mean in in Argentina, I think you know for for most North American investors, the easy way to think about it is it's it's very similar to to the U.S. So if you have a, a mining project in the gold belt in Nevada, I mean, that's obviously a premier mining jurisdiction. Uh, now, if you have a greenfield project in Hawaii or some place where there's zero mining, yeah. I mean, good luck getting the permits and advancing that. I mean, that's going to be an uphill battle for, for decades, likely. Um, and Argentina is the exact same way. So you have Salta, you have San Juan. I'd say by far those are the, the two provinces that really stand out, very mining friendly. Right around us, we're, we're in the heart of the lithium triangle. And like you mentioned, there's billions of dollars being spent as we speak, uh, being invested in the ground. There's these lithium projects, about six lithium projects being constructed uh, and, and being actively built. Uh, also on the precious metal side, Fortuna has built the Lindero gold uh, gold mine a few years ago. That was over a $300 million investment. So huge amount of, you know, uh, mining dollars uh, going into the ground in Salta, uh, we're surrounded by, again, all, all these mining uh, projects here. Uh, the communities are on board. They're there for the mining. Uh, so this is, and, you know, regulations, you deal only with the provincial government, really, for, for your EIA approval, your environmental permits. You deal with the Salta uh, government, which is welcoming mining with, with open arms. This is an ideal uh, place within Argentina. Now, other provinces of Argentina, if you go to, to Mendoza, which is known for wines, if you go to, you know, uh, Chibut, which is anti-mining, you know, I mean, very, very, very difficult uh, to, to advance projects. Geologically, could be, you know, some, some great assets there, but certainly a night and day difference. I mean, that's not at all representative of, of Salta. And again, San Juan, again, you're seeing a, a resurgence of, of mining activities. So that's, yeah, that's that's really Argentina in a nutshell, I would say. I mean, certainly, like every jurisdiction has a fair amount of challenges, but, you know, uh, in, in, you know, in the right province, uh, if you're doing things properly, uh, projects are, are advancing, being built with, you know, plenty of, of community support um, and, and support from the, the mines minister, et cetera. Mm. Another Argentina, and thank you for that. Uh, Argentina, I know, and especially the last couple of years, has struggled with fairly high inflation, 70%, 80% range. Has that impacted you on the ground down there? And if so, how much? And how have you managed to try to, to mitigate it as well? Yeah, yeah. So all of our cash is held in Canadian dollars and U.S. dollars. And so we don't really hold any excess cash in, in pesos. Now, the peso, uh, you know, there's high inflation for sure. I think it's about 80% or so uh, per, per year uh, in terms of pesos. But the offset for that is the peso devalues at roughly 80% per year or, or pretty close to that. So in U.S. dollar terms, as we convert money into pesos, I mean, it takes more pesos to pay for drilling. But it's, you know, oftentimes similar amount of U.S. dollars that it takes uh, to, to get those pesos. And so we've experienced, like, I think our, our cost per meter right now for drilling in U.S. dollar terms is under $400 a meter U.S. Uh, when we started off, you know, back in January 2020, so almost three years ago now, 
uh, it was about $310, $320 US per meter. So yeah, there, there's been some inflation, but in US dollar terms, you know, it's 10% per year or so on average. Uh, that's probably similar to, to other jurisdictions. Now, peso terms, I'm sure it's, you know, I'm guessing 300% or so, 400% of, of what it used to be. But again, I mean, uh, we look at things in US dollar terms, of course. Mm. And just for context for listeners, I just spoke to a Canadian gold explorer in New Brunswick yesterday, and they said over 12 months that their cost of drilling has gone up 50%. So, I mean, you're clocking wow. in at much less than that, right? So I guess wow. that's a su- yeah, success. Um, sure. <clears throat> so do you, is there, do you have to build a camp there or is this a play? Like how close are you? I mean, do you, you know, do you, do your workers have a camp or do they go back home to their yeah. beds or how does that go? Yeah. Yeah. No. You, so you drive to site. So we're the nearest city is the major city is Salta has a population of a couple hundred thousand people. Uh, so it's, it's a large city uh, and it's about a six hour drive to site. So people just drive to site. It's not fly in, fly out or anything like that. I mean, you drive, drive to work, but you stay at camp. Uh, because obviously it's a huge commute. You're not going to commute six hours each way uh, on a daily basis. So we have a camp that <laughs> sleeps about 50 people or so uh, at site. And yeah, uh, the camps, you know, uh, they, they sleep there, shifts uh, like two weeks on, two weeks off type of thing. Um, and yeah, and then, and, you know, uh, commute back home. But there's all weather highways. I mean, we, we drill 12 months a year. Um, and yeah. It's uh, rel- relatively very good uh, logistics, I'd say, and, and infrastructure in place. And it's really, again, aided by having a whole bunch of lithium projects being built all around us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why don't we actually start talking with the Oculto project in Diablos? I mean, so my understanding is from what I've read is that historically there has been a substantial amount of exploration. About 120,000 meters has gone into Diablos historically. Uh, how much of that has ABRA put into the ground themselves? Uh, so when we started, so we're, we're now on our phase three program. So our phase one was, I believe, 15,000 uh, meters. Our phase two that we just completed was 20,000 meters. And now we're drilling an additional 15,000 meters uh, as part of our phase three program that's ongoing. So, yeah, uh, I mean, we've completed uh, 30, uh, 50, uh, 50,000 meters of it. You know, we will complete once this uh, existing phase three uh, drill program is completed. Uh, that that would have been fifty thousand meters drilling over the last three years here. Okay, and I'll bring up some visuals here for people to help this. But do you mind just explaining the different phases and what they've accomplished briefly? Sure, sure. Uh, so Diablos is a large land package, and so within that we have a number of of targets. And so the uh, you know the the target we've been focused on has been called Oculto, and that's where all of the resources currently based. It's close to surface, open pitable. So phase one, again, was on Oculto. Same with phase two. Phase two was really focused on that high-grade zone within the Oculto deposit. Um, and so we've been focused on Oculto, and that's where we have that large resource. I mentioned uh, 110 million ounces of silver, 1.3 million ounces of gold. That's all within Oculto. Now, as part of our phase three program, <clears throat> Um, we're actually, we've just discovered over the last few months here, uh, a brand new zone. And that's southwest of Oculto. We're calling that the southwest zone. And, and within that, the key target is, is called the jack target. And that's where we're focused right now. And this is high-grade silver, even closer to surface. It sits in the valley. Um, and so, you know, uh, phase one, phase two, all historical drilling has really been focused on Oculto. We have a large resource there, uh, some good exploration upside still, but it's it's obviously been quite quite well drilled. Uh, but this brand new zone is where we're focused on uh, at the moment here. 
And you're solely right. And again, I'll have a visual up here for my for my YouTube viewers. But that Jack discovery is just crucial, right? Because you have this very strong open pit, open at depth somewhat. It's like you say, but you know, a uh, a coastal is is understood or, or mastered. Exactly. But, you know, exactly. a 500-meter step out hits ridiculous grade it, into Jack. And, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm not even sure I have a question here, but it's just exciting, right? I mean, if you can prove – and, I mean, it extends beyond that 500-meter step out too, right? So, I mean, yeah. you know, 800 or another kilometer strike extending to Jack, I mean, that just transforms your whole company, your whole resource model, right? Um, it would, I mean, obviously, eventually this would be turning into – with. I mean, obviously, this takes a new – PA or a new, a new, yeah. new outlook on the resource, but I mean, it can all be open pitable in the same open pit theoretically, I assume, right? Uh, it, it's likely going to be two two separate pits, but yeah, no, you're two right. I mean, this is very transformational. It's taking now, you know, a single pit, you know, very good economics already, but really turning it into like a mining district now. Now this is like district scale potential here where you could have, you know, uh, several pits and we're, you know, we haven't yet explored. We've identified a number of targets as well outside of Jack, which based on, on our magnetic uh, anomalies, uh, seem to have high exploration upside potential as well. But for right now, I mean, Oculto is quite well defined. We know there's still some high grade pockets there we could drill and, and probably, uh, you know, uh, better define the, the high grade resource as we've been doing over the last two years. But having a brand new discovery that's open for, you know, currently 800 meters, but it's, it's open in all directions. Um, and yeah, I think again, it, uh, investors go look at our slide deck. We we have a, a, a nice graphic in there which shows this new footprint of this jack zone based on the, the mag anomaly. I mean, it fits the size of four baseball stadiums. So this is, you know, it's not a small <laughs> high-grade discovery. This is high-grade, but, you know, large-scale potential. So, you know, uh, we've, we've announced five drill results so far, uh, and all five have hit very high grades of silver, like hundreds of grams of, of silver close to surface over you know, between 40 to, to 80, 90 meters. Uh, so some some very high potential upside here for sure. Yeah, the, the napkin math on the resource starts to turn into silly season a bit when you start working the numbers, right? So, no, it's a that's an exciting, exciting uh, discovery. Right. So on that note, you talked about, you, ha- you know, you've got, uh, can you just discuss... So, how many holes have you drilled into Jack right now, and then you, and then how many assays are are awaiting still return from the labs? Yeah, uh, so we've announced uh, five holes, uh, but we've drilled now. I think it's probably about eighteen or so uh, as of today. So, you know, we have two rigs at site, and they they drill holes on average. Each one drills a hole every seven to ten days. Uh, so, you know, we're drilling two holes uh, every seven to ten days here. Um, so. We've quickly, over the last couple of months, I mean, we've drilled now 18 holes. Um, and so we've announced five. There's, there's last time I checked, there's still nine holes at the lab. And so every few weeks, every two, three weeks on average here, we expect to be, to be announcing assay results as we've been doing. I mean, no, uh, n- nothing new. But, you know, as we get back uh, results for a couple of holes, two, three, four holes, uh, we'll announce those. And then uh, a few weeks later, uh, likely announce more results. Mm. how's turnaround time of the labs been down there oh lately it's been excellent it's been completely back to normal so good again two two to three weeks i mean we were getting back assay results and so if if you look at our press releases i mean every time we get a couple holes we, we issue a press release and so certainly i'd say on average it's been three weeks we get back a, a couple holes two three four holes 
And it's uh, and again in North America, that's still a different game. It's been eight to ten weeks, ten to twelve weeks is what I hear from people I discuss or chat with too. So there's another nice little advantage for South America. Okay. Wow. Okay. So what's left? Uh, so are you drilling continuously, or is there going to be a break? I mean, how many meters left are left in your current uh, drilling campaign or your current phase? Yeah. Uh, so our current phase three budget is uh, fifteen thousand meters. We've already drilled more than six thousand, uh, probably approaching seven thousand. So we're you know well into into the program there. Uh, so call it another nine thousand meters uh, left to be drilled here. We expect to have that completed uh, by the end of Q one. So in 2023, by the end of Q1, all of this drilling, again, is focused on this jack target. Uh, so by the end of Q1, we'll have uh, drilled about 40 holes, maybe 45 holes into this new zone uh, with, on average, 25 to, to 50 meter spacings. Uh, so then by Q2, we'll be able to announce an updated resource estimate or a brand new resource estimate for this new jack target. Uh which obviously we've already have a resource on Oculto. Now we'll have a, a separate resource uh, on this new target. And then in Q2, we'll announce a pre-feasibility study on the entire project. Mm-hmm. And so do you know, I know this is fluid, but for 2024, do you have a notion, even ballpark of the new meters you're going to be putting in? And is that, are you going to be pursuing Alpaca or Phantasma or where do those meters yeah. plan to go? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, first uh, it's, you know, First priority is Jack. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> Likely, we'll need to continue drilling that, uh, assuming thing, things are still open there. But you're right. I mean, there's a number of other targets, Phantasma, Alpaca, which, again, are, are both to, to the west of uh, of our Pulto deposit. Uh, and then there's some deeper drilling as well. We haven't even focused. I mean, we're only focusing on the oxides and have been uh, for the past three years now. Uh, at some stage, we'd like to focus on, on some deeper sulfide mineralization as well. Uh, so a number of targets to be drilled, but no, we, we haven't budgeted yet our, our uh, next exploration campaign. And really, we want to finish this one and identify the, the targets and then plan that out. Excellent. And the, you coached me on this prior to discussion. I'm already going to, I'm already going to butcher it here, though. Quipita? That's perfect. Yeah, that's the way I see it. <laughs> uh, could you just explain maybe, you know, as drilling began there or what stage of exploration are you at there? Yeah, yeah. So that's an entirely different project. So that's mm. in the San Juan province of Argentina, which is known for some mega copper porphyries. Uh, and there we consolidated a large land package. It was 70,000 hectares of land that we consolidated uh, over a year ago now. Uh, we drilled two holes uh, earlier this year. Uh, and the second hole hit, uh, hit a discovery. So we hit 700 meters of continuous mineralization down to a depth of about 1.2 kilometers deep. So this is, you know, large scale potential here. The grades were about 0.4% copper equivalent or so, uh, some copper, some gold with with a little bit of moly. Um, So, you know, excellent sign that we hit (laughs) some serious mineralization uh, in only two holes. And so the plan there for down the road is to drill an additional four deep holes, again, 1.2 kilometers deep or so, Drill four more deep holes, see if we can hit some some higher grade uh, zones here. Uh, And then this is a project that we would likely spin off to our shareholders down the road when it's a bit more advanced. So you could create a new copper company, spin that off to our shareholders. And the target here is like a billion ton porphyry. I mean, it would take, you know, tens of millions of dollars to drill this and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, advance it. And so we would want that company to fund itself. Uh, and then, you know, uh, that that's a way it could add value for, for our existing shareholders, I think. 
Absolutely. And yeah, you're right. I, we neglected, I neglected to have you introduce it as a San Juan. San Juan is also a very mining friendly jurisdiction as well, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So why don't we jump across the border to, to Chile then? You have another project, Ar Arcus, Arcas. Again, my, my English is just terrible. Arcus, <laughs> yeah, Arcus can yeah. you just kind of do a, a brief uh, discussion around it and where it's yeah. at? Sure. So that's similar. I mean, it's a very large land package in a, in a very promising copper belt in the Antofagasta region of Chile. Um, and again, I mean, similar size, land package, early stage. Uh, so lots of blue sky potential. There we had actually brought in Rio Tinto as a partner. Uh, and so Rio Tinto signed an option agreement uh, several years ago now. They drilled four holes. Uh, the four holes uh, didn't come back with, with anything significant. Uh, so they they dropped the project. Now, importantly, they paid for all the concessions, uh, you know, so uh, the project now uh, doesn't cost us anything uh, for, for, you know, the next 12 months or so here. Um, and so they returned the project back to us. We own 100% of that. Uh, but, yeah, we don't have a team in Chile, so we're not really focused on that. And so our goal would be to option that off to, to maybe another junior or something. Um, and, you know, we, we think there's lots of upside potential there for sure, but we have our plates full uh, between our two projects in, in Argentina. Uh, so we, we have no plans to, to drill Arcus on our own. Uh, so it's, it's really a non-core asset right now, but the potential there to, to do a deal with, with another junior who's looking for, for projects in Chile uh, and add some value for our shareholders uh, through, through a deal like that. Absolutely. And I apologize, I'm going to bounce back here to Quipita. Just to clarify, is there any above ground exploration, grab samples or trenching or anything going on or any, any kind of geochem stuff? Yeah, yeah, no, no. So, I mean, we've done uh, a lot of uh, geophysics, grab samples. Again, before us, there was historically a company uh, that drilled like six shallow holes. It got back some some good copper mineralization. But I think for us, I mean, the focus right now is on a big porphyry. And so that's deeper. Uh, and so, you know, I think mm -hmm. the, the geochem that we've done has identified some of these targets, but but you need to drill them. Absolutely. And so I would like to just now, again, circling back now to Ocotl, uh, Ocotl, <laughs> close okay. enough, right? Uh, met, met testing, historically, what is it? And uh, do you have an anticipation about maybe improvements or or maybe an updated met testing that you'll release to us yeah yeah no there's been a lot of met testing so this project's been around for since since the 90s really and so it's been around for a, you know a large number of years uh there's been several stages of met test work that have been completed o over the years uh, i think there's been over like 200 samples or so analyzed um and so in our pa study that we announced uh, in 2021 uh, last year, uh, we had uh, recoveries of 73.5% for silver and 86% for gold. Uh, so those were the recoveries based on the test work. Now, since then, we've analyzed an additional 50 samples, 50. Uh, so we've sent a number of samples again to the lab. We're just getting back those results. Uh, and we expect to have a, a press release likely before the end of this year, for sure, I would say. Uh, sometime by year end, uh, just giving an update on all the, the met test work that we've done here uh, since since the PA study. But yeah, I think room for improvement for sure on the silver side, 73.5% silver. We'd like to see a higher number there. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll have some, some more news there as, as we get back the results and obviously review them. I'm not a geo, but could you speak just even briefly about what you're doing differently than what was done previous to in prior attempts? 
Yeah. So for the Met sample, before they took really just a bulk view, and so some of the samples had different zones in them, and they analyzed that really uh, as you know just one zone here. But now we've kind of segmented it. We know there's a, a high grade or you know a, a near surface gold zone, and then you get into the high grade silver zone, and then there's some high grade gold zones uh, down beneath. And so we're taking representative samples. Look, I mean, the, the high-grade silver zone is going to have different characteristics than, than the lower-grade gold zone. And so we've, we've really kind of segmented the, the project into to various, um, you know, uh, segments, I guess, and then analyze that. And then we'll be taking up a better reflection, we feel, of, of the overall deposit that way. Sure, sure. And so just a couple of questions left here, We're kind of circling to the end here, but just ESG, can you speak to efforts that you've made or, or you know, relation, relationships with local communities or other efforts that you've done? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the nearest community to us is like 125 kilometers away. And so it's, you know, quite quite a distance. But again, they're there for the lithium projects currently and, and uh, you know, really for welcome mining. Uh, obviously, welcome Diablilos. We have excellent, excellent com uh, community relationships. Uh, we've supported investment uh, in those communities. I, I know we've helped start up like a bakery and, and a laundromat. And, you know, uh, they, they provide a number of services to us. And obviously that maintains an excellent relationship uh, between the parties. Uh, and so, yeah, we have a very strong environmental team uh, down in Salta, uh, locals um, and, you know, excellent ongoing dialogue with the communities um, and, you know, uh, I think everything's uh, going very well there. Excellent. Can you just speak to, again, just circling to the end here, what do we have to look forward to? You've already touched on it again, but, you know, six to 12 months, the year 2023, what are some catalysts that investors have to look forward to with Abra? Yeah. I mean, for, first and foremost, it's ongoing drill results from this brand new zone. Right now it's open in all directions and it's quite a large target. Uh, so look for ongoing drill results again every couple of weeks, uh, certainly uh, at least once per month. Uh, we expect to have a press release with the ongoing drilling there. That's that's very, very exciting. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, by Q1, uh, we'll have completed likely 40, 45 holes into this jack target, which will be sufficient for uh, a resource, uh, likely an M&I resource from this jack target. Uh, that will be announced in Q2, and then also in Q2, we'll have a pre-feasibility study to be announced on the entire project. So for sure, Oculto, uh, as well as as this brand new zone here. And I'm excited for that. I, we were initially, I was hoping to have a conversation around this, the, the valuations here, but as you kind of told me prior to discussion that we have to wait for that updated PFS. So hopefully with any luck, you know, we can meet again here in six or eight months and then we can have a nice long chat about uh, the, the valuation of this company as well at that point with the updated PFS. It'd be my pleasure. Yeah, anytime. Excellent. Uh, so I guess, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is it. I mean, parting thoughts or final word to you? Perfect. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks, Matthew. I think we'll look, we covered a lot of ground. I mean, thanks. <laughs> thanks very much for, for taking the time. Um, yeah, I guess key takeaways from, from my end for investors. Look, Abra Silver has a very exciting, uh, unique project uh, with, I think, lots of upside potential ahead of us here. Um, and so our goal is, is, it's uh, very simple. I mean, look, we're continuing to unlock value for our shareholders through the drill bit and, you know, advance, de-risk the project. Uh, and, you know, we, we firmly believe this project is going to become a, a high quality producing mine uh, within the next few years here. So a bright future ahead uh, for, for the project and, and certainly for the company. Perfect. 
Yeah. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate your time as well. I know that my interviews are a little longer. That's by design. Uh, and thank you for listening. If you're out there, um, if you want more information on this company, head over to abrasilver.com. We have a nice, a very strong website. As for me, you can find me under Junior Resource Investing on Spotify, YouTube, and your other favorite podcast hosting mechanism. And yeah, John, I appreciate your time. Excellent. Thank you. Have a good day.